In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. It's uh, great to be with you all. I'm coming from Christchurch Cathedral, and I'm so excited to be here at St. Bees because I've heard so many wonderful things about y'all, so it's great to be here. When I was a child, I was terrified of the dark. That's pretty common for kids, I know. But this year when I went home for Thanksgiving and endured the annual challenge of sleeping in my childhood bedroom, I was thinking about that fear a lot. When the lights would go out at night, I would lie awake, staring into every corner of the room, certain that monsters or something terrifying were lurking there. I was convinced there was something in my closet or maybe under my bed. But I think that fear of the darkness is what eventually made me fall in love with the season of Advent. Advent begins in the dark, in waiting, and in anticipation. As I got older, I had to reason my way through this fear. I had to convince myself that there wasn't really anything dangerous there lurking in the dark. I would ask myself, what is it that I'm actually afraid of? I was a a huge Harry Potter fan as a kid, and admittedly, I still am, so. I hope you'll indulge me with with one Harry Potter quote. (laughs) I remember reading, it is the unknown that we fear when we look upon death and darkness, nothing more. That eased my fear a bit, and it made sense to me. I didn't necessarily fear the darkness itself, but rather, I feared the infinite possibilities of what could be there and what I couldn't see. Eventually, I grew to love the darkness of night. I fell in love with the cicada song in the summer and the quiet stillness of the frozen winter. And that grew into a great love of Advent as well. Advent begins in the dark. Each week, as we light a new candle, the light grows. Our anticipation builds with each new flame and flicker. Recently, in a small group, I asked everyone to tell me what they understand about Advent. What is it, and what does it mean? The answers were mostly what I expected to hear. Advent is a season of waiting and preparation. But preparation for what, I asked. For the birth of Jesus, right? Well, yes, of course. We engage with the Christmas story and imagine ourselves alongside Mary and Joseph waiting for the birth of the Savior. But Advent isn't just about looking back and remembering. It's also very much about right now and looking ahead. Okay, and now bear with me. I know we're Episcopalians and sometimes we're afraid of things like this, but I'm going to ask you to be really brave and answer a question or two for me, okay? So brace yourselves. (laughs) Okay, so what day is the Sabbath? Saturday, that's correct. Saturday. A lot of people think it's Sunday. It's okay. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. So why is the Sabbath on Saturday? Does anyone know? Proclaim it. (laughs) Seventh day, that's right. It's the seventh day of creation when God rested. 
So that's why we rest on the Sabbath, which is on Saturday. So then why do we worship on Sunday? This is another non-rhetorical. Resurrection, that's right. So that is absolutely correct. We, we think of, of the, the three days of Easter, so Good Friday, um, Holy Saturday, Sunday, Resurrection Day. That's correct. Nothing wrong there. But it's another thing, too, and this is what's interesting. Sunday is what liturgical theologians will call the eighth day. It's meant to be both the first day of the week, but also somehow the last. It's the beginning and the end, which represents the arc of God's creation, beginning with light and then ending with the resurrection of Jesus. Theologically, it's a day that honors this arc. That's both things, first and last. And we continue to worship and celebrate on Sundays with the knowledge that this story is not yet complete. We live in this in-between time, sometimes what we like to call the already and the not yet. In between the, the revelation of Emmanuel, God with us, and the full restoration of heaven and earth and God's second coming and Christ's second coming. Sunday, Sundays represent this arc for us week by week. And it's a microcosm of the broader yearly liturgical calendar. So the season of Advent is essentially this eighth day concept on a yearly scale. It's the beginning of the church calendar but it's also an awaiting for the end. We wait in anticipation with Mary and Joseph for the birth of Jesus, but we also wait in preparation for Christ to come again and to restore and redeem all things. Now, if you were in church last week, you may have noticed that the Advent lectionary texts this year aren't exactly the stuff of joy and peace and hope and love. <laughs> They are, but they don't feel like that. So this week, we're looking at um, John the Baptist in this passioned speech about repentance and fire. Instead of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary, we have people being left behind and the wheat being separated from the chaff. Yes, these years, this year's texts lean heavy into the idea of preparation. Keep watch. Keep your lamps lit. Repent. This week we find our friend John the Baptist, or as I affectionately know him as Jay the Bee, out in the wilderness calling out to the people of God, imploring them to repent and get ready, for the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. Now, the first thing that's amazing to me about this passage is the fact that John the Baptist, this wild man wearing camel hair tied with a leather belt around his waist, eating locusts and honey and preaching doom, got anyone's attention at all. <laughs> He's not even in town. He's out in the wilderness outside of town. But somehow he got the attention of the people of Judea, and he also got the attention of the religious elite. No small feat. The Pharisees and Sadducees start coming out to be baptized by this scraggly man in the woods. I feel like the text doesn't go really into enough detail about how that all worked, but maybe that's just me. 
He greets them with a very respectful and warm welcome. <laughs> you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I think I would be like, wow, okay, should we come back another time? <laughs> But he's calling them to recognize where they've gone wrong and made missteps. He says, don't, re don't rely on God's promise to Abraham to skate through life unchecked. Confession and repentance are beautiful attentiveness. To confess is to look closely at what is broken and see what is in need of God's intervention. It's a call to integrity, to honesty, and vulnerability. This kind of attentiveness is exactly what Advent is all about. Keep your lamps lit. Look and see. Prepare the way so that your faith would bear fruit. And we have to pay close attention to where this scene takes place. We have to talk about the wilderness. John doesn't go into town and preach on the streets. The people go out to him, this voice crying out in the wilderness. God calls them out of their places of comfort and safety, out of the familiar monotony of daily life into something unknown. Here, the scripture shows us the formative reality of place the formative reality of place. Place always matters in scripture. The Israelites' whole story is bound to a sense of place and then the loss of it. After their liberation from Egyptian enslavement, they wander for a generation looking for that promised place. Then later, they're in exile again because they got too comfortable and complacent. God calls the people out of their places of comfort and into the wilderness to meet John the Baptist because their faith and religious practice needs shaking up. It needs change. In the history of Israel, wandering is where the faithfulness of the people is formed and made real. Ironically, being uprooted is precisely what ends up grounding their faith. The wilderness is frightening for the same reason that the darkness is frightening. It's the unknown that we fear. We can't look into the wilderness and expect anything at all. We can't control it, predict it, or plan for it. You see, planning and preparing are actually two very different things. When we talk about preparing in the season of Advent, we certainly don't mean the things that we actually end up doing which is buying gifts, wrapping them, coordinating travel, cleaning for family members to come, getting the Christmas supper ready. And yes, we have to do those things and there's nothing wrong with them. But that's planning. Preparing is something else. Prepare your spirit for the unknown. Give your life and your God the attentiveness do this season. Bravely step into the darkness, into the wilderness where your faith is forged. 
It's the unknown that we fear when we step into the darkness of Advent. But it's not danger that lurks in the corners we can't see. The darkness of Advent is faithfully stepping into hope, which can be the most vulnerable thing of all. This is the season when we remember that our Savior was formed in the darkness of a womb. We wait and hope for God's presence among us, then and now. We wait and hope for God to come again and restore all the broken things in this world. We wait and hope for the coming of the light of the world, the beginning and the end. So step bravely and hopefully into this darkness, into the wilderness, into the wandering. For in being uprooted, we are truly grounded. And it is there that your faith is formed and reborn. Amen.